Hello, everyone, and welcome to Just a Physician, the podcast where we explore mental health, vulnerability, and personal life journeys with creators you know and love. So make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already and stream our episodes wherever you listen to your podcast. New episodes are out every Thursday. And today's guest, oh my gosh, this us meeting has been a few years in the making. I am so freaking stoked to have this person on because I've looked up to her for so long. I religiously consume your content. Not even kidding. I watch every video you come out with. And I'm so excited to introduce to you all, if you don't already know already, the one and the only Jessica Kent. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I am literally freaking obsessed with you. And I'm just so (laughs) excited to talk to you. And I want to hug you and see you in person soon. And this has been forever coming. No, it has. Like I I can't wait to meet you in person as well. Like I I think it's been has it been already like two years? It's been a long time. Basically, our first introduction, I guess you could say, is that during like the first kind of course of my reaction videos, I saw uh, prison skincare routine online. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I am so interested. And as someone who is uh, inter- like, I, I'm personally passionate and very interested in uh, learning about prison reform. And that's just something I'm interested in. I was like, oh my gosh, I would love to react to this video. What I did not expect is to fall in love with you, even amidst the, you know, shocking things in that video. <laughs> The things that you did in prison. <laughs> Listen, first of all, I have to defend that. But when everyone started commenting, my followers, they were like, Hiram reacted to your video, your skincare video. And I thought, I can't watch that. He's going to watch me scrub coffee all over my face. And then I'm going to use a toothbrush. I just want to die. But you were so sweet. And it just meant everything to me that we found common ground to talk about prison reform on your platform that doesn't really have anything to do with prison reform. So it was getting that topic to a wider audience and an audience that was maybe unsuspecting or unfamiliar with it. And Mm -hmm. it meant everything to me. Well, you were so sweet. Your response was honestly awesome. I, you know, I always get, I always get nervous with the reaction videos because I'm like, oh, I don't know how people are going to react because I don't have any, like I'm, my intent is never to be rude, but you just never know how people are going to receive it. And you were so awesome. You were like amazing about it. And it was great to connect afterwards. And I think, you know, through your video and hopefully my video, like kind of spreading the message and normalizing the conversation around the treatment of prisoners and um, prison reform, those topics, like I, I really hope that that's what that video was able to do. And since then, my God, you've like blown up, especially on like TikTok. I see so many of your TikToks just go crazy viral and it's congratulations. It's amazing to see. Thank you. You know, it was very unexpected. I still think that I'm filming on the floor on my phone and I have like four <laughs> followers. It hasn't caught yes. up to me. Um, so I try not to even look at the numbers because it gets like I get really anxious talking mm-hmm. about it because it, it's what I'm passionate about. It's what I love. But people on the internet can be very harsh or they mm-hmm. can misunderstand it. And there's that component, but there's been so much more love than any of that negativity. Good. So I'm beyond grateful for it. Good. I'm so glad. That's that's really encouraging to hear. And for anyone who might not know like um, who you are or your story, like quickly, I'd love for you to like quickly introduce yourself. So uh, my name is Jess. And I kind of got wrapped up in, not kind of, I definitely got wrapped up in drug addiction from a really young age. Because of that, I found myself in the legal system, in and out of it, and ultimately I was arrested for pretty significant charges, uh, possession of meth, a gun, delivery of meth, and I'm like, okay, 
getting locked up, not a big deal. Then life threw the biggest curveball that I could have ever gotten. And they were like, and you're pregnant. I'm like, excuse me, um, no, no, back up. You can't just speed past there with a pregnancy. Um, so I had my daughter when I was an inmate. I had her in chains and it was super traumatic. And I didn't even process it until years later. Um, I have full custody of her now. We're happy and healthy and living our best life. Um, but the interesting thing about trauma is you don't really recognize it when you're in survival mode because you have to go, go, go and just and fight through it. And I had to get her back. So the first time I talked about the actual details of, of my labor and delivery was on YouTube mm. four years ago. So Wow. Oh, my gosh. And I didn't even know that that was like the first really time that you had like opened up about that. And that's one thing like I absolutely love about your content. It's just the transparency that you lead everything that you say with, <clears throat> like everything you talk about is so raw and vulnerable and really like inspires me a lot to be even um, more transparent um, about things like mental health, personal struggles, um, let alone related to the personal traumas and experiences that you've had, um, whether it was during the course of, you know, your time that you served or even after the fact and, you know, recent life and so many things that you've been through. You just have this level of transparency that I think is one of the main reasons that people love you and love your channel so much is that it really does feel like they're connecting with a close friend. So uh, thank you for doing that. I mean, we're going to jump into the questions because I have so many to ask you, but I first want to start off with some fun rapid fire questions uh, just to ease into the conversation. Okay, so let's just jump into the rapid fire questions. I first have to know, what is your go-to coffee order? It is a, like for Starbucks, mm -hmm. it's a venti white chocolate mocha. Oh, okay. The sweetness. I love it. I actually have, have I tried any of their, actually, I have been that basic gay that gets like the white chocolate pumpkin spice, you know, latte or whatever it is. Pumpkin um, spice. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> I know. Everybody makes mistakes. It's okay. I've, I've repented since then, but okay. I like it. The mocha, the white chocolate. I love it. Okay. What's the very first thing you do when you first wake up? It's so unhealthy and I need to stop doing it, but I check my phone. Same. Like every time I need an alarm clock. So I'm not even near my phone in the morning because yep. that's like really bad. That's such, so that's such a good point. Phone. No, honestly, thank you for saying that because I can't tell you how many guests on this podcast are like, I start with meditation and making my matcha from scratch. And I'm like, damn that, you know, what a happy life. So, you <laughs> first of all, when you have more than one child, I have two, you kind of just wake up just tired and sometimes angry. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, let me just scroll for a minute and try to decompress before they're screaming and we're running out the door. So like, that's such a good point. Nope. Honestly, you deserve it. You deserve some like, you know, TikToks you can laugh at in the morning. So I support it. <laughs> um, what is your newest hobby thing that you do for fun? So I have recently gotten back into art. So oh, I do a lot of textured art or some like weird paintings. I'm not very good, but it is really fun. Oh, I love it. Well, I mean, who cares? I think the main thing with painting is not about like the actual like talent or the quality behind it, but more so like the meditative benefits and like just the enjoyment that you can get out of it. Oh my God, you have to send me some of like pictures of your work. I would, I would love to see. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. And then last thing, what is one thing that you regret spending, spending money on? Oh my gosh. One thing I regret spending. I don't know. That's hard. 
That's a hard one. It is tricky. Probably like my need for makeup that I don't use. I know I'm not going to use all the eyeshadow, but it's so freaking pretty. So probably all of the eyeshadows. Uh I feel like we can all relate to that. I personally can too, because when I was in, you know, the, the throes of my makeup addiction, I remember like once the haze kind of cleared and I was able to, you know, have 2020 vision, I was like, Oh my God, when am I going to use the 250 single color eyeshadow palettes that I have like this is ridiculous like this is way too many they're all going to expire within like two years so I feel that I feel that but hey at least you know you look good with makeup every day (laughs) bronzer in the crease and I'm over here with a stack of eyeshadow palettes I love it. You know, it's it's for the aesthetic, the the palettes and the the look of the palettes. It's it's a collector's hobby. We'll call. It. We'll justify it with that. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I in getting into the questions, like um, I you know, you're able to introduce, uh, so, so, you know, the majority of your content is really focused around, um, not only talking about your time that you served, but kind of breaking stereotypes around, um, what happens in prisons and the legal system, um, and helping people to kind of understand what, you know, a lot of what, honestly, a lot of us don't know about unless we have actually, you know, been in the system, fallen victim to it, or are a part of groups or communities that are, you know, really uh, negatively affected by it. Um, and it takes like a huge amount of courage and vulnerability to be able to share your story online, talk about your life experiences in that way. Uh, especially considering that, you know, people have always considered and still unfortunately do consider those topics to be kind of taboo. Like, oh, you don't want to talk about those experiences. You don't want to talk about your time that you that you spent there. And you do the complete opposite, which I think is so inspiring. And what drove you to initially start sharing your story and be that open and vulnerable about it? I think there has to be a little bit of crazy in there <laughs> to open yourself up like that. Um, and I, I was really intimidated by YouTube four years ago because I saw just the most beautiful people with you know beautiful lives and their beautiful houses and, you know, like all of the, the queens, Jackie, Ina, mm-hmm. and, and Raw Beauty Christy. I mean, she's a little mm-hmm. more vulnerable, and I, I love her so much. But all these, Jacqueline Hill, mm-hmm. these beautiful creators. Um, and I'm like, their life looks hella different and perfect and I'm obsessed with them so how am I going to fit in this space Mm -hmm. Um, and then one day I was fired from my volunteer job where I would film little videos and I would send them to the prison that I had just been released from and I was fired because the one guy left a new girl came in and she didn't like that I swore and it was the south they wanted me to incorporate Jesus I'm like listen that's not me fam (laughs) Um, so it didn't it didn't work and I thought that was, I thought that was my purpose and that's taken away from me now. So what do I do? I have a lot more to say. Mm-hmm. So I decided that I was going to film seven videos, just seven, and I'm going to post them. They're going to be called heroin, my road to recovery. And if people see them cool, if they don't, whatever, after like four, I'm like, Jessica, you cannot film your life story in seven videos. <laughs> and this is actually really cool. Um, so it just, it just, took off from that little idea of I have a lot more to say, just lost my volunteer job. And also seven videos, my life is crazy. I need mm-hmm. a whole timeline for that. And people found them and they were they were blown away by it. And I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> you can unsubscribe. It's fine. You don't have to watch it. Like, <laughs> sorry. Um, and I still kind of feel that way. But it was just a 
a reaction to knowing I had a lot to say. And in doing that slowly but surely, I got more confident with it, more comfortable on camera, and more understanding of the impact that it could make. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. I didn't even realize, like, what a cool opportunity. Like, I mean, you know, screw that place for firing you. But what a cool opportunity <laughs> that it allowed you to kind of find what your purpose was, what your passion was and that it was able to turn into something like YouTube afterwards because I think a lot of people get intimidated or scared by putting their stuff out there online for the world to see or in my personal experience like get intimidated by just the you know the process of filming and being in front of a camera and so you being able to find that as your purpose and passion and then be able to recognize like the impact that it can have is so cool because your videos have had such a huge impact, uh, not only of course on your audience, but like on me as a viewer in helping me really understand so much more about what goes on that, to be honest, in my day-to-day life, I would have no idea happens because I, you know, personally don't know a lot of people who, you know, have been a victim to that system or who have kind of similar life experiences to you. And so being able to hear it from you is like, it just, opens my mind and I think it opens so many people's mind which is so 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 important and that's one of the things like I had kind of touched on in my reaction video that I did what what I remember filming that and just being like okay you know people are gonna have opinions um, as I'm sure you are fully aware of you know people are gonna have opinions about this <laughs> about you know the prison system and about um, people you know who who end up in the system and um, I was like, how can I use this as an opportunity to talk about, you know, the mistreatment that so many people do face um, and a lot of, you know, the misconceptions. And so I touched on that a little bit. I feel like I wasn't able to fully get into it. But if anything, I wanted to drive people to your channel so that they could get a more open mind. And I wanted to ask, like, what are some misconceptions people have of you because of the time that you were in prison or that they have of prison or the legal system in general? So I would say like the most common thing that I hear when I'm filming like really um, sensitive videos where prisoners, inmates are being um, abused or beaten or Mm -hmm. starved or hurt in any kind of way. Um, When I talk about really hard topics, people tend to just say, just you should, you just shouldn't have broken the law. Mm -hmm. Just don't go to jail. Just don't go to prison. And I think it doesn't come from a place of Like, I don't think they're evil when they say that. Mm -hmm. I think that it's easier to just turn a blind eye because this is hard shit that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So if they just say, you just broke the law and they chalk their hands up to that, then they don't have to really like look at it for what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a really big one that I I try to let people know it can happen to anyone. Anyone can be arrested at any time. Mm -hmm. Anyone can be put in jail, prison at any time. I mean, we're all one mistake away from that. Mm And um, just because someone made a mistake, it doesn't mean that the system should beat you, abuse you, yes. you know, and traumatize you. And I think that um, there's, there's a lot of layers to the misconceptions and drug use in prison is often, um, you know, just people talk about it in a really harsh way. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to say like, oh, you shouldn't have got addicted to drugs. Like, okay, but it changes our, our brain chemistry, right? Yeah. And it's hard. So... It is layered in the, you know, the government will be like, don't do drugs because they're going to ruin your life, mm-hmm. but we're going to put you in prison and ruin your life if you do drugs, okay? <laughs> like, so, <sighs> so yes. it is oh frustrating. Um, 
Yeah, I, I even have like another question later on about like <clears throat> what I, I personally like to call the disease of addiction. Um, and But mm-hmm. something that has always blown my mind, and I, I love that you said that because I think, <clears throat> you know, people who have spent time in prison, like um, the general population when they're, when they look at that and when they have to, you know, look at those people, it forces people to have to view others, you know, through duality, through not a black and white, you know, um, contrast, but to see kind of the gray areas. And I think a lot of people don't want to deal with that because they want to be like, ooh, people in prison, bad. People not in prison, good. And that's what they want to keep it at. But the reality is that there are so many layers, whether it be socioeconomic layers, racial layers, uh, government layers, <clears throat> systems of abuse. Like there are so many things that are at play um, that don't make it as simple as a good person versus a bad person. And I've seen comments like that on your videos. I've seen comments like that in general. I remember seeing comments like that on my video too, um, where it's just the people want to write it off as like, well, you shouldn't break the law. You shouldn't have gone to you know jail, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my God, like, first of all, how you know privileged you are to be in a community and environment where that's the only thing that you have to think about. You don't have to think about how, <clears throat> you know, the police system or how your race or how, you, you know, your poverty level can so easily lead you into the direction of being abused by the law. It's, you know, there's so many factors to it. And so I love that you touched on that. I think it's really important. And like you said, the thing that blows my mind is like, why are we putting people who are addicted to drugs in jail in a system that will only probably worsen their addiction that is proven for people to just immediately come out of prison and go right back to it and offers no therapy, you know, um, uh, services that are able to turn their life around, mental health treatment, like nothing. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, did you see any of those services in your time? Yeah, the the services in prison are like they're checking the box and they're like, mm. well, we met with her on intake day. She didn't say she wanted to to unalive herself. So she's good. Or she did mm. say that. And we held her in a cell naked for 72 hours and she's fine. Now she can go back to general population. Um, oh, my goodness. And I, I didn't see like I didn't have actual therapy. I didn't mm. learn about my trauma that I had endured you know, previously, I have basically been in survival mode my whole life. And I didn't understand how that affects your brain. Like your brain literally changes with trauma and drug use. And when you grow up with it, you know, it's hard to unweave that web, right? So no, there's really no services, although there is a psychiatrist on on the grounds and there is these classes that you do, but I got nothing out of them. Uh, Also, the guards will sell you drugs and alcohol so you can yes. get it. People bring it in. So like I'm here for selling drugs and doing drugs, but you're going to sell me drugs so I can get high here. Well, of course we want to do that because we're isolated and we're alone. Mm-hmm. We're in this dark, depressing, horrible environment, a, a environment that is very much, you know, you're in survival mode for food, mm-hmm. for basic hygiene, for everything. So of course you want that escape. You, of course you want to make hooch or prison wine so that you can, you know, just escape for a second. It yes. is very, very negative. Yeah, absolutely. It's it, People, I think, tend to not look at kind of the root issue, you know, the, the underlying problems that are kind of uh, 
perpetuating these issues, whether it be, you know, like um, addiction or, you know, drug abuse or, you know, um, the type of things that are going on within the prison system. Um, and that's what annoys me so much is people will just be like, oh, drugs, bad, addiction, bad. And not once are people being like, well, why is addiction present? You know, like what has happened in their life to make people believe that <laughs> addiction or these you know, really damaging substances are the only thing that they can turn to um, in times when they are hurting. And I'm curious, and on you can be as open or as close as you want to in your responses, but I'm curious, like, with your personal experience of, you know, dealing with the disease of addiction um, and how that kind of, you know, led to what happened later on in your life, um, what was that like for you? You know, was it kind of due to your childhood environment, um, you know, traumatic experiences that kind of led to that initial issue with um, trying the harsh substances and then getting into addiction? So I grew up in a very poor town. It's like 200% below the poverty line in upstate Ooh. New York. You've never heard of it. <laughs> um, so uh, I grew up in Section 8 housing, mm -hmm. and that's not an excuse for selling drugs, mm -hmm. but it was a means to an end, and even though I knew that that was illegal and that was bad, I was like 12, almost 13, when I started using alcohol and then pills very quickly, and then I started to sell substances, and it wasn't an uncommon thing for the environment that I had. It was just kind of, eh, whatever, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And... um yeah, I, I've always struggled with depression and suicidal thoughts, and I didn't have any, you know, knowledge of uh, the disease of addiction when I was 13. I'm 33 now, so it was a very different conversation uh, mm -hmm. all those years ago. So I didn't understand the long-term effects of that. I didn't know that I... I thought I was broken. I thought there was something severely wrong with me because I was so depressed, and I was suicidal and had attempts... Um, and everyone was like, just chill, <laughs> just like stop it. And I'm like, no, yeah, for sure. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. Um, and I realized like, you know, what? I feel really good and I'm not socially awkward and weird and uncomfortable if I'm drinking or using drugs. Mm -hmm. I am a very awkward individual. Um, but <laughs> on a substance, I'm like, oh, I'm chill and I have money and I can hang out and mm -hmm. I'm not isolated alone in my room. Um, and growing up on that was was really hard. So when I got out of prison at 26, 25, 26, mm -hmm. I don't know. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know anything about myself. I had to learn who I am, what I like, what my style is, like what my views are and how I fit in the world. Mm -hmm. Like you're supposed to do that as you're growing up. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, it really stemmed from mental health and environmental factors so I'm just grateful that I not only made it out, but I have healed so much of that trauma yeah, and yeah. I have learned like I love myself and I'm confident in my skin and this is normal mental health stuff. A lot of people go through it. A lot of people struggle mm -hmm. with mental health. You're not crazy and broken. Yeah. Uh, you just lack serotonin, which is not great. <laughs> yes, agreed. And that's one thing I, I first of all, I want to say I'm so proud of you for like after getting out of of the system picking yourself up you know sticking to you know recovery and you know battling that addiction over being able to you know like I guess I never really like the word overcome it because it's something that you know you kind of deal with at some level like every single day it's it's always a work in progress but being able to 
go to therapy. Like you've talked in so many videos, pretty, I say probably like every video you've talked about the importance of therapy and, um, you know, being able to help yourself heal. And I think that's so incredible and definitely commendable considering that you did start, um, you know, using so young and that was such a huge part of your life. So, you know, getting to this point is, is really commendable and, and incredible. And that's another thing I want to ask, like, you really have been through the ringer in terms of like, you know, you've talked about how like it wasn't just drinking that you were doing. You know, you were trying really hard substances, addicted to hard substances. That shit is, man, like so many people, a lot of times most people don't make it out. What do you think people kind of misunderstand or, you know, need to get better when it comes to the conversation and the understanding, you know, recovering from severe addictions like that and um, the circumstances, consequences, punishments, lifestyle that can kind of come along with it? Ooh, that's tough. Um, I, I think that the hardest thing for people to understand is that if you are an addict and you're using it's not just strength that's going to get you out of active addiction. It, it, it's not a weakness. You're not weak if you're mm -hmm. addicted to a substance. Mm -hmm. um, but it's you, the human spirit can only take so much pain, right? Mm -hmm. um, so once you're in the system, once you are addicted to something, it is really hard to get out of those two things. Mm -hmm. um, and addiction changes the, the hardwiring of your brain. Yep. And addiction starts and stops with pain. You know, someone is not weak because they're using drugs. They're in pain. Um, they're not weak for going back to prison. The system's literally designed to keep you in it. Mm -hmm. uh, they profit off of that. So yep. if you remove like the person that's struggling and remove that from all these other factors, you can kind of see like, oh, this is just someone that's hurting and we're all just trying to heal our childhood trauma. We're all yes. just, you know, adults that are our inner child trying to be okay. So I think people just need to have more empathy. And if you don't understand something, research it before you judge a person that you see that is really struggling, you know, yes. because that's not going to help them. Screaming at them to get sober is not going to help at all or condemning them and putting them down when they're already broken and in pain. That just makes shit worse. Yeah. Absolutely. Can oh. I swear? We, oh yeah, no, swear? I swear all the time on this podcast. <laughs> no, you're okay. all good. <laughs> I love that you said that. Like, thank you for for touching on that because I completely agree. And I think there's definitely so much work to be done when it comes to people understanding, you know, how addiction is not a manifestation of care of a character flaw or something that's wrong. Yeah. It's simply someone who is in severe pain who. Uh, you know, unfortunately has uh, felt or been put in a circumstance where they feel that that is their only, you know, temporary solution to that pain. And that's why it, it breaks my heart to see so many people in addiction, not because I kind of, you know, like see, see myself in that. Like I'm with my childhood trauma and with the pain I've been able to experience, I'm just like, oh my God, like that level of pain where they, you know, you are thinking and you feel like really your only solution is to be able to turn to that as a temporary distraction or a temporary band-aid to the pain I'm just like they must be struggling so much and they need you know they I want them to be able to just escape that pain so badly and it's so it's I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done when it comes to understanding it I will say though and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this I feel like even just in the past few years maybe it's TikTok um, I think it might have a lot to do with just how 
normal, more normalized the conversation around addiction is becoming and because of um, widespread um, issues like, you know, the fentanyl epidemic and different things like that. I, I feel like a lot more people are talking about addiction from a less stigmatizing standpoint and even when i'm like watching content on tiktok and i'm you know it's talking about i don't know those celebrity and their battle with drugs or, or whatever it may be so much of the comments in the discourse that i see is constructive and positive and understanding and like oh my god that person i feel so bad for them they must be struggling whereas i feel like even just 10 years ago all that i would see surrounding addiction was like that's disgusting. How dare they? Why would they do that? They're a terrible person. But from your viewpoint, would you say that it's improving? Is, is the discourse getting better? So as someone that was in active addiction for 10 years, and now I'm 10 years into my recovery, it is night and day. It's Good. so different. Good. Um, I was shunned as a child, you know, as a young teenager, I was put down and condemned and shunned by adults. And they were harsh, you know, they were really harsh in trying to get me to go to school every day and do what they want me to do and do the homework assignments. And I was just a very stubborn, angry kid lashing out. You know, I was getting in fights all the time and it was just very clear that I was in crisis and I needed some kind of help. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I see things so much differently. So my kids are in school and my daughter, uh, she's 10, Mm -hmm. she has ADHD. So they're not keeping her behind, like, and because that messes up a kid's social life. Mm-hmm. So they're helping her, and she has textures and different seats, like a bouncy one, and oh, she's so moving cool. around in the classroom. She can stand up, and she's got a squishy chair that she can sit in. Mm-hmm. So their understanding of mental health a lot more. So it gives me so much hope that um, this generation is is going to be the ones to break generational trauma and set up a much different. Uh, environment for for kids and Mm -hmm. the conversation of addiction is definitely different because we're understanding mental health a lot more than we ever have yes and that's what it comes down to it's mental health it's it's that's what it really stems from and that's so cool with your daughter like wow that's really encouraging to hear because (laughs) even even me you know and and growing up and everything like um, in the environment that I did, anything like ADHD or any, you know, behavioral issues, um, any kids lashing out or whatever that may be, there was absolutely no understanding for any of that. And all the blame was associated with a child's character flaws rather than trying to understand what might, you know, be causing that. What's what's happening in the home life? What's going on in their mind? You know, how's their mental health? So that's really encouraging to hear. And like, with mental health, like that's such a huge topic on this podcast and something I'm very passionate about. I talk about therapy and stuff like that literally in every episode. And I'm curious, like, you know, obviously being in prison can take a huge toll on a person, um, particularly with mental health, I imagine. And coming from an environment like where you grew up, um, obviously there's so much trauma. There's so many uh, childhood difficulties and Clearly, it was very rough. And then being thrown into the prison system, I feel like would only make it even even worse. Um, and so what, what was your mental health? Were you aware of the importance of mental health when you're spending time in prison? Did you commit to like improving your mental health or was there just even like no consideration until after you got out of prison? It's a really good question. Um, so the last time that I was locked up, it was so different because I was pregnant and also in denial 
literally in labor and denial. Like I just, I'm not having a baby. This is not real. Um, cause I couldn't process it. So I had all that time. I mean, I was arrested like after conception. So love that for me. Um, but I didn't know what to do. Right. Every other time before that I was angry. I'm trying to get high. I'm trying to drink. I'm trying to whatever. No one cares. But now it's, I lost my earbud. <laughs> now it's not just about me. It's mm-hmm. about someone else. I'm creating another life. And after my daughter was born, I saw her little face. I knew that day, this I'm done. This is over. That mm-hmm. lifestyle's over. I'm retired officially, mm-hmm. and I'm never going to sell drugs again. But I also had to realize, okay, you have prison time to serve still. Mm-hmm. You're going to be separated. You have to use this time to to understand what has gone on in your mind, maybe what your parents did that you don't want to do. And that like kind of had me digging through psychology books and wanting to understand my mental health. But to back up just a little bit, I was studying psychology as a heroin addict. I would steal like textbooks. I'm such a nerd. (laughs) I would steal textbooks from people that were in college and I would, I would read them. I would do their homework and I would study psychology when I was 15, 16 years old. So, um, so that's why teachers hated me by the way, because they were like, you're doing this but not your own work. Oh my God. Like I'm done. Um, so yeah, I, I learned a lot. You know, I knew cause I was court ordered to do therapy and mm-hmm. NA and AA and all this stuff my whole life. So I knew that I had depression and suicidal thoughts. Um, but I didn't know just how far my, um, trauma went. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that the reason why my mom just couldn't get out of bed or off the couch for an extended period of time is because she's severely depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know the trauma around poverty and growing up poor and never knowing if there's going to be food in the house. I mean, it took a long time to really look at all the things that I went through. Um, and it's still an ongoing process, but Mm -hmm. I knew that I had to learn and be better and heal and not be triggered and, and just try my absolute best to be the best version of myself for my daughter. Mm -hmm. And it's ongoing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What, what a beautiful moment like awakening moment to be able to have your child and you know props to you for taking that responsibility for understanding like the importance of you know not only caring for your child but not continuing that trauma that you had experienced as a child because that's a huge thing too like you know we underestimate how much of our trauma can be passed on generation to generation and how those cycles can just continue and the fact that you committed to like learning about your mental health, going beyond what was just a court order, you know, what you were supposed to do. But, you know, taking that level of self-awareness is so beautiful. And your kids are really lucky to have you. Like, that's that's incredible. I wanted to ask, like, what do you do now to prioritize your mental health and help to maintain and take care of it? Because life will always throw us curveballs and struggles. And by no means, you know, is it is it ever easy? So So what do you do now? Okay, so um, I I feel like I have to put this little disclaimer here because I don't want to confuse anyone or mislead anyone, but I was an abstinent-based recovery for seven years, mm-hmm. meaning that I didn't take any kind of substance for my mental health. I didn't do anything. I just did some counseling, some therapy. Um, so I was seven years abstinent, but now my medicine is cannabis, mm-hmm. and I get some backlash for that because people don't really understand it. We're getting better, mm-hmm. but... Um, 
I use my medicine and I try my best not to be on my phone mm-hmm. and I try to work out and eat some avocados and drink some water, <laughs> yes. um, but it's hard, you know, it, it's really hard, especially mm-hmm. people think that I'm like Snoop Dogg. Mm. When this is my medicine, I have a hard time taking it. Mm-hmm. It's like a mental block. Like I know that working out, taking my medicine, eating right, drinking water, I'll feel better. Mm-hmm. But even if I do all that stuff, I still might not be okay mentally. Mm-hmm. I still might need a day to just feel that sadness, feel that depression, and just let myself be there for a minute mm-hmm. and then start over tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't think that gets talked about enough because we're workaholics in this country. Yes. So they're like, go, 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 just work it out, just get mm-hmm. in the gym and you're fine. Okay, the gym sucks, first of all. It's torture devices. <laughs> yes, it is. And that's not going, it's just masking it, right? So I let myself be in those emotions. And then I do my best to pull myself out of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that you touched on that because I have never believed or supported the notion of judging someone else's recovery journey and judging the things that they know will be able to help them best to keep them at the best mental place. So I think anyone who like criticizes like, you know, alternatives to abstinence only recovery is is ridiculous but i also love the comparison that you drew with it being medicine because i you know at some level i somewhat relate i have you know a medication i'm prescribed that i'm always supposed to take every day to help with uh, my mental health and with my mental clarity and i so often because i feel like you're a strong-willed person like well you definitely are but i feel like we can relate on that level i'm always the person who's like "Mm, I don't need to take it because I'm fine. I can do this on my own. I don't need support. I don't need help. I can do it all by myself. And it's like, no, bitch, you cannot. You cannot do this all by yourself. And that's where I can totally understand where you would see, like, you know, using uh, cannabis um, would be kind of a medication that maybe you wouldn't want to take. And I think that's something that people need to realize is that, you know, every recovery is different. You've talked about that so much on your channel. Every recovery is different. You can't judge someone based off of what they have found over time, especially over seven years has found works best. And, you know, whatever is yielding the best results, whatever is yielding the best mental health, um, that's what you need to be doing. So I'm glad you've been able you've been able to find that and you are pushing yourself to be in those slightly uncomfortable positions that you know, are pushing you to, to be better. That's super cool. Um, well, I love you for saying that you, you said earlier that yes. you had ADHD. So like, I'm interested to know, like, do you just forget to take oh my your God. medicine? Literally too? all the time. Well, I forget everything. So I, I, when I say everything, like it is <laughs> so bad. Uh, I forgot multiple things <laughs> to film today. <laughs> like I, every day is usually a process of like four times, looking for my keys because I lost them. Like, it's so bad, let alone all the other ways that ADHD affects me. Uh, I forget to make take my medicine, and I have the fucking audacity to be like, mm, I don't need my medicine. I'm fine. Like, my ADHD is under control. <laughs> is it the same for you? It is the literal same. And, like, I can't take, like, an SSRI because you have to take it every day or mm-hmm. it doesn't work or you go into, like, detox, and I'm like, wait, I'm sorry. You want me to, I'm going to take something every day to prevent, like to help my mental health, but my mental health is not mental healthing and it doesn't care. Like I lose my keys all the time, constantly just forgetting why mm-hmm. I'm in a room. I will forget the AirPods gone. I'll forget mid sentence what I'm mm-hmm. even saying. And it is just so crazy. Like my brain just turns off and you can see it in conversations where I'm just like, 
what? Hi. I, I but you know what? I think there is what? a strength to be had for our specific career path, like making YouTube videos. I'm not going to lie. Like the majority of YouTubers I have met have bad ADHD. And I think it actually works because like we can just like, yeah. you know, uh, it's, I feel like it keeps a video interesting if in a single sentence you talk about 20 different topics all at the same time because your brain is going like a million miles per hour. Um, I've, I've learned to like utilize that as, as a strength, <laughs> you know, I may as well. I've hyper-focused. Like I had one YouTube channel and then I'm like, oh, I should do another YouTube channel because I, my life is different. Oh, ooh, TikTok. Oh, Patreon's pretty cool. Instagram, Facebook. And now I have a thousand apps and I'm like, okay, this is, I'm sweating. This is a lot oh, of work. I'm actually dying because I relate to that so much. Like this year, my team had to have like a moment with me where they were just like, hi, stop taking on so many new projects you keep wanting to do new things you never want to have any free time you're just going all over the place and I'm like that's literally because that is how my brain works it is just like 10 things going all at once and never enough and also I feel like because uh I, f I can tell from your videos your work ethic is amazing like um the the amount of videos that you're posting how religiously and especially like knowing like how much is happening in your personal life and like the, the fact you have kids and like all of that um let alone like you also like volunteer for an organization as well which i want you to talk about a little later um there's so much going on yet you are still consistent with the uploads consistent with the ideas TikToking galore like it's really really cool i i definitely admire your work ethic and I don't know how you do it with everything going on in your life. I feel like maybe maybe that's how ADHD can help you. I don't know. <laughs> um, I have taken a little bit of a break the past couple of weeks, um, but I am ready to film again. And I'm so excited to just, I have all these ideas. So I Good. took a little bit of a break, but Good. I you deserve necessary. it. I, I think you definitely deserve it with everything going on in your life. So uh, no shame in that whatsoever. And I'm excited to see the next videos. Lastly, I want you to talk a little bit about the, just share like the organization that you volunteer for, because at the end of every YouTube video, you're always plugging it. Um, and I believe they help with like rehabilitation and treating addiction. Uh, like, tell me a little bit about that. They do pay me. Oh, cool. I work with okay. groups. Um, I don't volunteer, but <laughs> uh, never, I never want to like mislead yeah. anyone with that. But so it's called Groups Recovered Together, and they believe in harm reduction. They're 420 friendly, um, and it just helps It helps people in a lot of different ways. And over the years, I've had a ton of um, treatment centers, rehabs reach out to me. They've almost always mm -hmm. been abstinent-based or 12-step based, and I don't believe in that. So I could never, you know, take my audience, the ride or die crew, and be like, these are, you know, this is a great place for you to go. You should go there when I've never been there. They don't believe the same things I believe. Um, so yeah, when I finally reached out, or when they reached out to me, I think I put them <laughs> off a few times. Cause I was like, mm -hmm. no, no, it's gonna be abstinence. And then I started to, I had several meetings with them and I'm like, that's I so love cool. them. Like, I love them. Even if they can't help you, they're going to find someone that can. If you need clothes, a driver's license, help with a thousand different components that it takes to get your mm -hmm. life back on track, they are just all in. And I'm just so blessed to know them and be friends with them and work with them. And I could not have found a better team of people. So I think that we've been able to help, I forget the exact number, a couple hundred nice. people find recovery through them oh. and... 
I know it's that is so cool like look at the impact that you're making that is incredible because it's so beyond just videos and YouTube like you're you know able to help really change lives and especially in a sector in a space like recovery rehab which you know is it's complicated and it's iffy and it's not always about true recovery and connecting people with the resources that are best for them. How awesome that you are able to find one that you can really believe in and connect people with that. And by the way, anyone who's watching on YouTube, I will have the organization linked in the description box below if you want to check it out or if you need any help um, in any of those areas. Um, because I, you know, from what I've been able to hear from you and from hearing about it in your videos, I think it's an awesome, awesome program. But I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Like, oh, I loved this conversation because, um, I mean, first and foremost, your vulnerability, but also your true desire just to want to help people and make a positive impact in that way. I think it shines through in your videos. It shines through in talking to you as a person. And I think you're so aware and open-minded and really just care about wanting to help people. And you're doing that through sharing your story. So seriously, thank you. I'm so seriously so inspired by you <laughs> i love you so much and thank you for having me I'm actually in LA so now, i'm in hawaii, hawaii so. um i you know what a lot of people like make the move to la which i get i understand that but it's not for me every time i'm there i'm just like oh yeah i don't know about this place this is like not my vibe <laughs> but um but i do uh i do visit there pretty often wait are you in chicago i'm in chicago so I we need chicago. to link up Yes. Do you love Chicago? People don't say that often. So really, no. Chicago is like one of my Chicago. favorite cities in the U.S., and I'm actually like planning potentially to visit next year. So I will definitely let you. Because I, I was like, are you moving to L.A. or are you in Chicago? I don't even know. But I, I love Chicago. It's such an underrated city, in my opinion. It is. I love that you said that. Okay, so we're gonna link up because yes. I, I don't know. I'm just obsessed with you, and we have to do something in person. I want you to shame me for skincare, but <laughs> thank you so much for having me on. Oh my gosh, yes. And that's another question I wanted to ask too. Usually, I start the episode off with this, but you know what? We're gonna end it with this. Tell me about what your skincare routine looks like now, because you know, spoiler alert: if you haven't seen the prison skincare routine video, there was a lot of coffee scrubs. There was a toothbrush on the face as well. But you know what? Listen, do what you got to do. <laughs> I was trying to survive it. Um, yeah. I have really, really dry skin. So right now I'm using uh, the CeraVe face nice. wash. And nice. I know you. It, that's because of you. And mm -hmm. I like the water, water cream. Is that what it's called? From Tatcha. Mm -hmm. And I'm using a oh, Sunday yes. Riley eye cream thing i just finally got all my bougie stuff back um and then yes. first aid beauty for like the hydration because it's really mm -hmm. like really dry mm -hmm. so i think that's everything oh and um an spf because okay, you good. will hurt me if i don't I use like, it <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> i was like freaking out for a second that, that is a stellar routine like i like the sunday riley auto correct eye cream that's a great one first aid beauty moisturizer yes. I talk about that in so many videos because it's amazing for dry skin. And ooh, being in Chicago with dry skin, that is brutal. The winds there mm -hmm. are... Okay, so my first time I went to Gross. Chicago was like a few years ago. I did like a like a subscriber meetup um, and it was in the middle of winter. And I remember like walking downtown Chicago and walking into a street that faces the Great Lakes. And 
that wind slapped me silly and called me a bitch. Oh my God. It literally like I screamed out loud because I was like, ah! like my face instantly dried off. I, I could feel the flakes falling off my skin. I don't know how you deal with that level of dryness in Chicago. I don't leave the house often, but like for me, I have like thin hair or like fine mm. hair. So the wind is just like, I'm going to make you look crazy. And my hair goes straight up and over my face. And it's just <laughs> insane. It's not good. Oh my God. Full emo girl moment. <laughs> oh my God. Well, we definitely have to connect the next time that I'm in Chicago and you know, props to your skincare team. Cause that is a stellar skincare routine. And when we visit, I'm definitely going to bring more, <laughs> but seriously. Oh, oh yeah. I didn't even plug your own. You sent me stuff. You sent me your, um, the, the face wash, the cleanser. I love that. I love that gel cleanser. So when you come to Chicago, I will take you on a mob and crime tour because that's my specialty. Oh, that would be so cool in a way. If you have time. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I would love that. That would be so cool. Cause I have not seen like that side like the, of Chicago and I'm a huge history geek. It's really embarrassing how much i love history it's safe it'll be like on a boat or like a bus it's safe i promise oh my gosh no that sounds amazing i would absolutely like love to do that i think that'd be super fun and definitely connecting while we're there i mean thank you so much again for coming on this was super fun where can people find you on social media so on instagram and tiktok it's jessken12 one s and then on youtube and facebook it's jessica kent Awesome. Go check her out, guys. All of her TikToks, her YouTube videos are super interesting, really informative, and really easy to binge. So if you're someone like me, it is so easy to just like while you're getting ready in the morning, um, while you're you know doing your skincare routine at night, you can just keep watching all the videos. Really, really entertaining. Thank you so much again. And if you guys haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the Just Position YouTube channel so you can watch all the YouTube videos, leave comments, interact with the community there. And this has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey studio. New episodes out every Thursday, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Mwah.